Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Flipendo. Confrigo. Crucio. Hello, fellow wizards and witches. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are three dads who love gaming, and today will be a deep dive of the 2023 smashing success Hogwarts Legacy. Please hit the follow button so you get all our episodes, rate us five stars, and leave a written review. Also, please go check out our Patreon page. You can sign up starting at $5 a month, and not only will you help fund the show, you'll also get two Squadcast episodes every single month. Go check it out at MultiplayerSquad.com. I am your host, Paul, and I'm going to introduce my co-hosts before they come up with another clever idea to get us killed, or worse, expelled. Coming up first, he's in Slytherin House, and he's been seen running an illegal dragon fighting ring for profit. It's Josh. I am not going to say the spell that everybody thought I was going to say, because it's been <laughs> overdone. All I'm going to say is that I am the jerkiest wizard that has ever existed <laughs> oh, you're not giving game pieces back to students around hogwarts things of that nature i there was one part of this game where i felt actually felt really bad <laughs> about having to be a jerk we'll cover that in the spoiler section but man that one was tough oh uh, how funny and joining me and josh he i think is in ravenclaw house with me He's been spending most of his time in his vivarium, where he's been helping Thestrals and Unicorns get busy for his Fantastic Beasts breeding business. It's Michael. Harry Potter, the boy who lived, <laughs> come to die. <laughs> I, I give that a five. I give that a five out of ten, Michael. <laughs> I could do the Avada Kedavra a little bit. <laughs> it's more throaty. All right, no, that's no. a three out of ten. We're yeah, getting okay. worse here. We got to move on. Yeah, I guess. I guess yeah, Varium, I spent way too much time in there. I got the most adorable Varium ever. But I just got to say that they're adorable. Little furry tribbles everywhere. <laughs> Very nice. All right, we've got so much to cover today with Hogwarts Legacy, but before we jump into the deep dive, Josh, we have a very special review to read oh, on the show. Oh, we've got this. This may be <laughs> simultaneously my favorite review and my least favorite review ever. <laughs> All right, so hey, we read reviews on the show, guys. We always say, hey, we you know we really like the five star reviews. Well, this is a one star <laughs> review, and it comes in from the original SG boy. From down under in Australia. That was terrible. Sorry, Australian <laughs> people. We love you. Um, and it says, rated one for being one of those toxic gamers. 
And it says, toxic for touting being angry when a game is delayed is a badge of pride or honor? Shame on you. Warped views like this is why we have current Chernobyl-esque radiation toxicity in the gaming culture. Thanks, but no thanks for contributing to nonsense like developers getting death threats because views like that definitely spur that on. All right, so this review is very confusing because this literally accuses us of doing everything we stand against. We have covered news stories of death threats to developers over delays, and we've said, shame on you, gamers. Why do you do this? Josh, you've even said you're cured of getting angry about delays. Yes! I, I don't know where this is coming from. I, I think maybe this guy clicked like a random twig from a year and a half ago and maybe heard some rant about a game delay, but this review is hilarious because it could not be more different than what we do. I'm kind of sad. Like, am I... Am I toxic? I never thought of myself. Oh, for <laughs> sure, Michael. You are. I mean, dude, yeah. you murder everything. You whine all the time. I, that's that is true. Definitely, <laughs> you know, you never see the bright side of games. It's like, um, uh, like the like like what was it like four four deep dives in? Paul actually quoted to me. He's like, you know, Michael, I think you're just like how I am with movies. You just like all games. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> Positive so takes on everything. I don't. I don't know what podcast uh, the original S. G boy is listening to it is apparently not our podcast but they left a review <laughs> on this podcast so but yeah. hey like i always say if you leave us a review there's a good chance we're going to read it on the show <laughs> I, I we we definitely appreciate criticism i mean if you think josh you're too old for this and i you know your voice sucks like that's constructive criticism <laughs> okay like i'll get younger and i'll have a voice transplant like i i get it you know that's a good idea we should do that um but <laughs> That's where the Patreon money goes. Yeah, yeah but can I know, get, can mine be less nasally? That'd be great. No, no, that's your calling card, Michael. Um, but yeah, anyway, if you haven't left a review for the show, we really do appreciate the reviews. Um, you know, five star helps the show because that helps other people realize that this is a pretty good podcast. Oh, how funny! And then also, Michael, I think it's time for another streamer of the week. Oh, streamer of the week. We don't have a drop for that, right? Still, so I just got to do my music. Wait, 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 wait. Pause, time out. Paul, before the next show, you and I have got to find a drop so that Michael will quit singing the intro to this segment. I don't think anything mentions stream or streamer. I have no clue what the drop's going to be. We're just going to have to get something. I I don't know. Just get some generic robot voice. Just like It'll just be Paul and I beatboxing instead of Michael. Yeah. That's and I might be like, wait a minute, I was better than that. Oh, man. All right, we have a very special Twitch streamer today. Uh, and by special, it's because this is actually someone that I have been um, subbing on Twitch for the last 27 months. So I give my hard-earned money to Becca Plays on Twitch, uh, just like a lot of uh, a lot of our folks do uh, through Patreon supporting us. Is you know just I I'm absolutely a huge fan. She's probably my favorite streamer. She makes everything about my workday better. And so I've watched her play Valorant, Overwatch 2, Apex Legends, so games that just baffle me because I'm terrible at shooters, which makes me think that she's always playing God mode because she's incredible. Um, but uh, yeah, and on top of that though, she also does insanely good artwork so she'll do art streams sometimes uh but what makes her extra special is that her community may rival our community like really really strong 
Uh, lots of people who are just very engaged, very happy to be around and helpful in a lot of ways. So go check her out. Um, you don't have to know how to spell it because it's, it's Becca Plays with two A's in the middle. We'll leave the link in the description below. But please go check her out and let her know that the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast sent you by. I love it. Go check it out. All right. Well, gents, Juan's at the ready. We've got Dark Wizards, Animal Poachers, and Rebel Goblins afoot. It's time to deep dive Hogwarts Legacy. All right, we always start these deep dives by reading a description of the game on Steam. Here it is. Hogwarts Legacy is an immersive open-world action RPG. Now you can take control of the action and be at the center of your own adventure in the wizarding world. All right, so Hogwarts Legacy released on February 10th of this year. It has been selling like gangbusters. I read an article on Forbes this week that estimates the game is going to end up probably selling about 20 million copies by the end of the year, which would put it above the likes of Elden Ring. Uh, Complete success. I think we were all a little curious to see how it was going to perform and do commercially, and the answer ends up being quite well. And also, I want to let everyone know here up at the front that, as we always do with our deep dives, we will keep everything spoiler-free for now, but we will give you guys a warning later when we're going to talk about some of the late-game content. All right, I know that we have talked about this a little bit before on previous shows, but I have a feeling we're going to have some new listeners who maybe found us just by searching for Hogwarts Legacy. What is your guys' relationship to the books and the movies? Uh, it was, uh, I think I had a date with, that's the, that's the deepest the relationship went, is I watched them each <laughs> once. Yeah, from, <laughs> actually, it sounds creepy. I'd say watch them from afar. Um, no, no, I just I, <laughs> I the bushes. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen the movies each once, and uh, I made I made my children watch them because I said you mm. will enjoy this. You need a two hour babysitter. Watch this. There you go. What about you, Josh? I've seen all of the movies once. I've seen the first three probably two or three times. Um, I like Harry Potter. I like anything that's fantasy nature, you know, based. Uh, I've seen the um, uh, crimes of well, what's the fantastic pets and where to find them. Fantastic, yeah. beasts fantastic beasts and where to find them. Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, no. They're pets, right? Yeah. So it's like, I, you know, but so that tells you, right? Like I'm not a huge fan. I like the setting. I've seen the movies. I enjoyed the movies a lot. I've never read the books. I will never read the books. I've seen the movies. That's good enough. I like it. I like the setting, and I, I'm interested in the like the world. Uh, how funny. Yeah, I absolutely adore Harry Potter. I worked at a movie theater when the first two came out, so I actually read the first book before the movie, and I thought it was fine. I loved the book. I thought the movie was very good. I uh, didn't really ever care to see it again and i watched the others once as they came out and for me it was once order of the phoenix came out on uh, in in the movie theaters where it had a little more of an adult dark tone where harry's actually trying to cast crucio at bellatrix and stuff and then that really sucked me in so i've read all the books except order of the phoenix i have the movies on 4k blu-ray i've probably watched them 20 times with my kids each I could not wait for Hogwarts Legacy because of how much I love Harry Potter lore. And I'm really curious to get your guys' takes, especially Michael, in a little bit, since he didn't have a whole lot of a relationship to Harry Potter IP. Uh, So let's kind of start at the very beginning, right? So you fire up Hogwarts Legacy for the first time. I want to talk about like the opening 30 to 60 minutes of the game. You're basically introduced to the overall story and the mechanics. How well did this game suck you in? And what did you think about those first few missions? Blown away. 
Honestly, I, I was not expecting this. Like I, I you know, we've we, I've said it before. I'll say it again. But we've historically been up and down on Hogwarts Legacy. We we really did not know how this game was going to turn out. Um, and booting this game up, I just went the the first hour was incredible, dude. They they get you invested right away. The cutscenes and what's happening. You go through Gringotts. And yeah. it's like such a cool freaking sequence, man. Mm. You're on this like goblin roller coaster. You're going through Gringotts. It's like you can look around. You're not just locked into this straight view. There's dialogue. There's voice acting. And I'm just going like the production value for this is through the roof. Is the whole game going to be this way? Or is it like, hey, we made a really good first hour and then the rest of the game's <laughs> kind of um sorry, guys. We ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that the first 30 minutes of this game was so efficient to just set up everything for the entire game. Like, we made so much fun of Forspoken for being, like, six hours of tutorial. And the first 30 minutes of Hogwarts Legacy is just kind of like, okay, you get a cutscene, and now we've taken this port key, and we think we know where to go. Oh, there's a broken bridge. Well... Hey, character, you can cast Reparo. Just go ahead and say Reparo, and then you just get to play the game. There's no giant tutorial screens you have to read through. You're not stuck in your boots in, of, of concrete not being able to move. They just tell you to cast a spell, and it's in your spell bar, and you just do it. And you just get to run through this world. They immediately set you up with puzzles, combat the characters, they also very quickly teach you that you are a special magic user because you get to sense a certain type of magic that not everybody does. And all of it just gets set up immediately. I thought this was one of the best tutorials in gaming ever, maybe in a very long time. I found it to suck me in almost immediately. You do also find out pretty quickly that you are special because, like, nine people are like, it's pretty rare that we've got a first-year student, fifth-year student here at Hogwarts. <laughs> like, four, four yeah. people are like, oh, fifth-year student. Like, well, what's that mean? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's a big deal because in Harry Potter world, like, you, you always start year one and you don't want to get students too late. So that's why it's, like, such a big deal. No one ever comes in as a fifth year. And for you to come in and to have all this talent is rather remarkable. But I think this game really stood apart because how many times have we made fun of The Witcher 3 or Mass Effect 1? These games that don't take off until hour five or six. Slow, slow burns. Yeah. Yeah. Very slow. This is zero to 60 immediately. Yeah. I yeah. think that my take on it is that, you know, with Harry Potter before, I literally started watching it because my favorite actor, Gary Oldman, was in it. And that was it. There's no mm. Gary Oldman in this game, by the way. So I was already a little bit trepidatious about <laughs> approaching it. Um, but, you know, something that this, you, you mentioned it just now, Paul, about, you know, you find out very quickly that you are special. I am, I've been a sucker my entire life of watching films and reading novels for the chosen one trope, you know, like you are the chosen one, Luke Skywalker, things like that. Neo where like something sets you apart. And I found myself drawn in very quickly because of this. It, they nailed it. It starts off like without getting into details, it starts off with some pretty quick action and immediately like within the first like three or four minutes, you're looking at something nobody else can see. And I'm like, what's that about? I need to know more. And I'm like, ah, I'm sucked in already. Good old Teddy <laughs> Socrates is going to have a great time in this world. <laughs> was that the name of your character? Yeah, my character's name was Teddy. I'm like, it's Teddy Socrates. I made him and I'm oh, like, goodness. that looks like Teddy Socrates. I'm going to call him that. It just popped in my head and I'm like, that's a wizard name for sure. 
Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I named my character after me. So he ran around <laughs> as Paul Lehman. Yeah, I, I just, I was grinning like an idiot the entire opening hours of this game, going to pick out your wand and you get to create oh. it and oh, yeah. meeting characters whose last names you know. So you get to meet ancestors of like the Weasleys and the Blacks and all that stuff was so cool. So let's talk a little bit about the progression of the game. You do level up in Hogwarts Legacy. You do earn XP. Um, that, that does matter in the game, but I think primarily what you do by way of progression is learning new spells. And I thought that Hogwarts did that in a really neat way. Basically, you attend classes like potions or herbology or whatever, and your teachers <laughs> have agreed to give you additional assignments to get you caught up. So they tell you, Hey, go run off and do this or that, and then come back to me and I'll teach you your next spell. And pretty soon before you know it, every I don't know, 20 minutes or so, you're adding another spell to your arsenal. And I thought that that was really awesome to be able to discover these new schools of magic, be able to put them into practice. And the game really just feeds these to you basically every 20 to 40 minutes throughout the entire game, pretty much until you unlock all of them. How'd you guys feel about that system of progression? Guys, I felt like a student at Hogwarts. Like, no joke. We were just talking <laughs> yeah. about this on the Gaming Mechanics episode about, you know, immersive tutorials. This was an immersive progression, unlike really something that I'd felt and seen previously, because, um, you know, I just, like you said, you just you go out, you learn things, you come back, and you can tell this was happening over a long period of time as well. So it didn't feel like it was like, hey, you're doing it right now. The seasons actually change in this game, which was really cool. So it made it more realistic that I was learning these things over a year at school. And I feel like that was appropriate. Like I would learn, I would get caught up in my first year, which is my fifth year, really my first year. Um, and it just, it just, it just made so much sense to me. And it was so easy to follow along with this world, literally feeling like I'm a student. And just when I thought it was going to get annoying because you go to the classroom, you got to sit there and you got to listen to, Oh no, I'm going to go to, I, I was starting to dread like the classroom quests because I thought it was yeah. going to be, <laughs> Oh, here's another long cutscene. And then just when I thought it was going to get annoying, they moved to montages and it was like a They're 30 second montage. montage and you're done. <laughs> and I've learned the spell and I'm good to go. I get Expelliarmus now. You don't got no wand anymore, buddy. I I really enjoyed the way that they did this. I think it was a very neat way to handle progression in the game without overloading you with stuff and not needing a necessarily like dedicated tutorial, right? Like I, I love the fact that it's like, hey, do you want to learn this spell? Go to class. Do this mission or two. Your professors, and it makes sense, right? Like your professors give you these spells as like a reward. And so it's like, hey, I need to know because again, you're a fifth year student. They don't know everything about you. They're trying to make sure that you're, you know, you're prepared for this knowledge that you're going to get. And so they go, hey, I need you to go do these two things and then come back to me and then I'll teach you this spell. Number one, the two things you have to go do, they're fine. Like, honestly, they're just little side quests. It's not go collect five wolf pelts and you're just like, oh, like this sucks, you know, <laughs> but then you get back. And one of the things that I really enjoy, and this is such a stupid thing, is that when they teach you the spell, you actually have to draw the symbol for the spell. Right. And it's kind of time based because Love there's it. a little meter and it's like, Hey, so you've got, I felt like a wizard. I felt like a wizard that's learning like the swooshy swoop thing with the wand, you know, and then you, and then you say the thing and, and it's different for every single spell that you learn. And I just thought that's such a neat little touch because I feel like I'm actually getting taught this by a professor at Hogwarts. So it just seems very authentic to me and how they go about easing you into this game. 
And it's really neat because you don't just learn spells from the teachers. You're also going to make friends in the world of Hogwarts. And some of them maybe dabble in the restricted section of the library or maybe they're teaching themselves some banned spells or some unforgivable curses. And that's also really, really exciting because that to me paralleled a lot of the Harry Potter lore where you're not just going to class. You're also getting into a little bit of trouble, but everybody's kind of okay with that. Like everyone kind of understands the world of Harry Potter is morally gray. And so there are secret hidden rooms around Hogwarts that you're using to test these spells that you're not even supposed to know or use. And I thought that that always felt very exciting in this world. Uh, in addition to learning spells, you also unlock some progression for modes of transportation, like riding your broom. You can do some races and tests in order to level those up. And I think that's kind of a good transition to talking about the open world, because you're going to be traveling through not just Hogwarts and also Hogsmeade, but also the open world around it, like the Forbidden Forest. Um, Hogwarts in and of itself is very big, uh, very windy, very confusing to run around. Sometimes a marker looked very close to you, and it turned out you had to run about 700 feet oh, to get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like clearly this marker's right next to me. And next thing you know, you got to run all the way outside to the next yep, castle, yep. take stairs, and run <laughs> back. And Hogsward, uh, Hogsward, <laughs> Hogwarts is enormous. Then you travel north to Hogsmeade. And then you kind of start to realize how big the world really is because you open yeah. up that map and realize how close those two are and how much area there is around it. So talking about some more of the open world activities, what were some of your guys' favorite or maybe least favorite things to do? The world. Yeah. yeah. Wait, was <laughs> like, that your I, least favorite or your favorite? No, that's my favorite. I'll be, I'll be honest, man. I, dude, I, this is going to sound like the world's worst dad joke or worst pun ever, but I genuinely mean this, is that this Hogwarts and the world in Hogwarts Legacy are magical. <laughs> like, so absolutely. And I don't mean that as a pun, even though that would make a great pun. But it is... I can't remember a game that combines a a home base like Hogwarts and the size of Hogwarts, dude. It is massive. When you were running through the hallways and the stairways and you're exploring and you're finding these little secrets and there's these rooms and there's the different towers and branches and i'm not a hogwarts nerd so i don't know all the different parts of the school and all that but it it they could have just made the entire game inside hogwarts right yeah. and i think it would yeah, have absolutely. been plenty fine like honestly it's that big it's that expansive and then you you make your first trip to Hogsmeade, and this is not a spoiler because everybody knows we go to Hogsmeade, and it's it's pretty early in the game. They talked about that in the release trailers. Yeah. They're like, hey, you Dude, go to Hogsmeade. I loved every step. Yeah. Every step going. I'm like, I, I'm not that big of a Harry Potter nerd, but I'm going to Hogsmeade, and I'm walking through this, this world, and I'm just looking around everywhere. My family, because like my daughter loves Harry Potter, she's standing behind me, and she's like, this is so accurate. Like that's Hogsmeade. <laughs> Dad, you're going to Hogsmeade. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? But it's just the open world is phenomenal in this game. Um, as far as like activities to do, I liked 
most of them, to be honest with you. You do these things called the Merlin Trials, which are little puzzles that I thought were really cool. There are dungeons that you can explore. Um, there's, I mean, they really cover the gamut. There's challenges when you get your broom and you're right and you're flying around on your mm. broom. You can do broom challenges. You can help people. You can explore these little villages. There is no shortage of stuff to do in this open world. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that this open world is very lush. I, I like that. Like you see bigger open worlds out there and this is a big open world. Like it's not small. You see bigger ones that have a lot of empty space. Bethesda does this a lot. You know, you're walking, you're like, there's a there's a giant camp way over there, and you don't see a lot between here and there. You can't go a hundred steps without running into something, whether it's a Merlin puzzle, whether it's the balloon popping thing where you're flying around, or just a field guide page that's hanging out, or a little um what do you call the little towns? They're called something. Hamlets. Hamlets, little hamlets all over the place. There is something to do almost everywhere. But a couple of things that I really, really liked um were uh well I, I did love doing the Merlin sites uh at first, um until I did all ninety-four of them. <laughs> and realize that there i did try to complete this game by the way uh, 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 full disclosure i have 59 hours in between three different saves um because i couldn't decide if i wanted to do curses or not um but there's only eight different types of merlin puzzles so that did kind of get a little bit old but only because i was doing what people do when they make things old is do all 94 of them um i found these hedge mazes which i found delightful i'm like there's a hedge maze here what and there's a chest in the middle of it you just walk this archway you're doing a hedge maze and they were pretty simple but i was in a hedge maze it was super cool um and literally just flying from the north end to the south end because the north end is more like what you would see in like the highlands of scotland and things like that the south end you're seeing like the cliffs in wales and stuff you know with like that just the dark sea and things and it was just it was a beautiful world to explore there was always something to do you fly over sometimes and there's a picture of a butterfly on the map and you're like what is that you go down there and you're literally following these butterflies for 30 seconds and lo and behold it goes Bring! and it gives you a treasure just because these butterflies are so kind this world loves us <laughs> You know, we always say in order for an open world game to work, it has to feel lived in. You have to have a sense of culture and people and movement. And some games just feel very empty. It's it's my only real criticism of Cyberpunk. There's a lot of people walking around. They're not talking to each other. There's nothing going on. Red Dead, on the other hand, does it fantastically. Hogwarts feels like that. Like when you first run from Hogwarts to Hogsmeade, there are students all along the path talking about their classes talking about the teachers, sharing gossip about other students. It feels like you're living in the real world of Harry Potter. Yeah. And even in Hogsmeade, all the people are running around and they're talking to one another. You really get a sense of how the world works. And each individual Hamlet have local quests that relate to them. Mm -hmm. So maybe a guy in Hogsmeade gives you a quest to deliver a couple potions to a Hamlet, and then you deliver the potions. Well, now they have their own stuff going on. They're going to give you side quests to go out and complete. I felt like this really hit the ball out of the park as far as, as open world mechanics go. And, and you said something, too, that I want to just make one line on this a little bit deeper, is that they're talking to each other. They're talking... They talk about you. They do what Oblivion <laughs> did. I'm walking yeah. by these students, and this girl's like, that's, oh, the that's, new, him. that's the new fifth year student. I heard he fought a dragon. <laughs> and then later on, you go to another Hamlet, and they're like, I really liked what you did for Jimmy. You really boosted his confidence. And it's just like, what? Like, that happened. Like, they're talking about me, and I'm impacting this world. I love that. It's, I felt like the hero of Kavach in the open world, which I haven't <laughs> felt since that game. 
The other thing I loved, too, is that they did make a lot of promises about discovering puzzles and things inside Hogwarts. And nothing really highlights that they're there. But all of a sudden, you're just running on a bridge and you notice little braziers that have numbers and you can flip them and you see maybe there's a way to solve a puzzle. All of a sudden, uh, a hole opens in the floor with a ladder and you go get to loot some treasure. Like there's stuff like that inside Hogwarts that I really found delightful because you might just turn a corner and find a puzzle and have to unlock something in the castle. Yeah, I they did it. They did a really good job with this world. It actually caught me by surprise. I thought I thought they were going to nail Hogwarts because it's Hogwarts legacy. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, they're going to put all their effort into making Hogwarts cool for all the Harry Potter nerds out there. And then they're not going to know what to do with this open world. And you're just going to fly around. It's going to be trees. It's going to be another Forspoken, right? Where it's just, hey, there's mm. places you can go, but there's nothing in between. And that is as far from the truth as you can get. I'll say the uh, this this other thing about the open world. I love the fact that they progressively get you to go further and further in the open world to where at one point, I didn't realize the world was as big as it actually was. Because later on in the game, you are going towards like almost to the coast, you know, oh, what I mean? yeah. or you are going to the coast and that's a long way, <laughs> like, you know, but here, this is probably the biggest testament. I used fast travel. You get flu flames. You can fast travel more often than not. I would just fly to where I was going because it felt so good to just fly through this world. Yes. No, I was, I was like, I'm like, I, Josh and Paul are going to be so frustrated with me because it's going to take me forever to finish this game. It's going to be last out of the moment because I'm like going around Hogwarts. I'm like, I don't want to fast travel there. I want to learn how to go around Hogwarts. And that's just, that's just that, like literally Hogwarts felt like, like the, the castle feels, the school feels like its own open world because it's, it's, I cannot stress if you have not played this game, how big it is. But yeah, completely. Like I wanted to fly. I wanted to use the different brooms. I would do broom cosmetics just to fly on a different broom. I never do that in a game. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with you guys. I never used fast travel inside Hogwarts. I would sometimes, if I'm traveling back somewhere in the open world, I'd use the flu flames. And they were they were nice. They were convenient to use. But honestly, as big as the world is, broom travel is rather fast, and you do unlock some other things later. I just loved using the broom. Hmm. And as long as you fly close to the surface, kind of like the game Anthem, where you could fly really fast if you were over water as long as your broom is close to the ground you can keep traveling very quick for as long as you want all right well we are going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more multiplayer gaming podcasts when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply all right, fellas, we are back. I think our biggest concern leading into Hogwarts Legacy was the combat, right? I think we all thought it would have a lot of lore. It would probably have a lot to do in the open world. But how's the combat going to work? I think there were even some jokes made. If the combat here is like the Lego games, then yeah. this game is not really going to appeal to us. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I played on hard. I put it on hard immediately because I knew the game was going to be pretty easy. And this game is no Bloodborne or Elden Ring, of course. I'm not going to try to compare it to those. 
it is not a walk in the park. You have to heal a lot. You will die if you play on hard. And I was actually rather surprised by the depth and the difficulty of the combat. I was very pleasantly surprised. I, I loved the variety in the combat more so than I thought, because I, I think I criticized this in a Twig episode. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, Earth, Air, Fire, Water. We get it, you know, because they were <laughs> like, hey, there's the different, I forget what they're called again, but, um, you know, the different elements and so forth that you're using. The variety was great, and they, they used something that worked so well that we talked about in the Forspoken Review that didn't work, is that an enemy would put up a protective barrier, for instance, and it would be purple, and you had to hit that enemy with the purple spell to break it, or you couldn't do any damage. Or the 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 zombie, the fire zombie, Igni, Igni, yeah, in 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 fairy, uh, in, in fairy, in the yeah. fairy, like in fairy, whatever. Basically, the zombies you can't do damage to them unless you hit them with fire first. And it had a lot of that kind of stuff where, depending on what you're fighting, you had to approach it differently. And even though the combat was definitely a little too easy. We, we probably all had to go up to hard mode. And I would recommend anyone go up to hard mode because that's the baseline. That's a normal mode, probably. Um, but it it actually had a good bit of, of variety and challenge to where it kept it fresh and fun. And again, every time that you kind of got into a spot where you're like, okay, I kind of get it now, you learn a new spell to throw at them. And so it was really nice to have that. Um, the only thing that I would say is I do wish I had a little bit more control over like what type of ancient power attack I was using because it was done mm. randomly. I was like, yeah. I didn't like the one where I was like slamming them against the ground because it looked too much like a dance. And I'm like, <laughs> no, make that more violent. I'm like, wait, this is Harry Potter. It's for kids. Never mind. The, the other cool thing in here is it also incorporates dodging, but also using Protego as a shield around mm, yeah. you. And if you pressed and held it, then you would also counter and cast Stupefy against an enemy. And then there are some things that Protego could not protect you against, and you had to dodge and roll. And when you started to put all this together, and on hard, uh, it, it gives you much shorter reaction time to do all these things, I actually found it to be rather delightful. I never found the combat to be too challenging, but it also wasn't incredibly easy as you got into the late game some of the fights i did feel got pretty long like there's every once in a while you'd get challenges in the bottom right and one of them said complete this fight within 15 minutes and i was like holy cow yeah as fun as the combat is i don't want to just be rolling and casting spells for 15 minutes straight um but at the same time i found a lot of the fights to be somewhat challenging i really enjoyed the combat i said before if the combat in this game is too easy, it's really going to ruin the game for me because I, I don't want Lego combat. You know, uh, that that was a good analogy there. So I, I stole it from you, Paul. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I put it I actually started on normal just because I wanted to see what the normal difficulty was. And it was way too easy. But when you move up to hard, this is not Elden Ring hard. This is just, hey, you actually have to pay attention. And mm -hmm. the thing yeah. that I love about combat is that there are so many different systems that are all coming to play at one time. Um, you, you mentioned Protego, so you can, you can basically parry. It's kind of like a parry for most people in a game, right? Where, you know, hey, you get a little warning, bloop, you know, there's something coming, and then you parry, and you will block the spell, and if you hold it down, you'll cast Stupefy back at that person. That's a neat mechanic. There is the dodge mechanic a la Elden Ring. Now, I'll be honest, I'm pretty familiar with that. So I, I did a lot more dodging than I did Protego, but oh Protego <laughs> is very rewarding in the sense that it's like, dude, I timed that and now that dude's stupefied. I can stupefy! I can stupefy! 
Um, it, oh man, now I just sang the Disturbed song in my head right there. For I a was second. about to ask yeah. if we were going to do a drop with that. That I was, I was totally. Oh, I'm so happy oh, you said man. that. Um, but then on top of that, you have your different like magic schools, and I can't remember. There is a term. What's the term, Paul? Where uh, it's like, like schools of magic, maybe I don't know. You have your yellow, your purples, your reds. You know those That's, sorts of yeah. things. So, Same term I couldn't think of earlier. Yeah, I'm like, oh, the anyway, I think I guess. there's a term for it. But you know, so then you have your different schools of magic that you're using, where you've got your fire spells and your control spells and your movement spells or whatever, and. Sometimes the characters have shields and you have to break through those shields. So not only are you dodging and you're blocking and you're switching spells and you're casting spells, but then on top of that, the spells combo together. Yeah. Which is so cool. Leviosa, dude's floating in the air. Crowd control. Great. I can go focus on this guy or I can zap this dude because now he's taking extra damage because he's just helpless floating in the air. So Mm -hmm. that's cool because now I get a a, a damage bonus to that guy. Or I can slam that dude down to the ground to get mega damage because now I've done this cool combo where I lifted him up and then I slammed him down. Yeah. And dude, there's like six different systems that are all just doing this perfect ballet dance together. The combat was freaking great. And it felt so good. Yes. Like when you did, like you're in a tough fight, and I would almost always do this in a boss fight. I wanted to finish it off with a bang. Like I would save my my power. Cause that's one thing I don't <laughs> think we mentioned is, is that you you also build up your uh, your ancient power combos by ancient, combos. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And um and so you build that up. Like if you hit the enemy ten times in a row, you get a little bit of ancient magic to fill your meter, and then if you get enough, you get to cast an ancient magic spell, which is like your super move, right? Your yeah. uh your ultimate and so like i would always like man i loved it when i would get down there i know that enemy's health bar is there and i'd hit that button and i'm like sitting there and i i swear that i'm like doing wand movements with my hands in my in my in my living room of my house like just uh, like you felt good because the combat was engaging and deep and you could you could also put a preference in there like josh was talking about the levitate and then hold him there and do that damage i love the freeze slice man i was the master i'm just like froze slice because it was quick 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 next guy i loved it well, and we haven't even mentioned what is the best part of combat, which is the dark arts. Oh, the unforgivable curses are so satisfying, man. They knew. <laughs> they knew. I normally am a good guy yeah. in a game. I went full evil, as evil as I could go in Hogwarts Legacy, because them curses, they feel real good, man. <laughs> they are so OP compared to yes. everything else. First of all, Dark arts spells cut through any color barrier. Yep. So guess what? Yeah. You don't go have to go hunt for that yellow spell. You can just hit them with Imperio or Crucio or Avada Kedavra. And I, I don't think this is a spoiler because you see it all very early in the game, but you do get a talent tree. And there are certain ways to add in more mechanics to combat mm-hmm. where now when you curse enemies, it puts a green X on them and now they're taking additional damage. Well, they even shared in some of the early footage that you can throw curses on multiple enemies and now you can have a talent where if you cast the kill curse, it will kill everybody who's linked together yep. that is currently cursed. So now... You start to do really goofy stuff where I'm throwing a curse on this guy and that guy and whoever I have under Imperio, anyone he hits gets a curse. Now I can cast Avada Kedavra and I've just killed seven Dark Wizards simultaneously. And the game builds around that. They never give you everyone at once. There's always waves. Mm -hmm. So you can't really cheese your way out of the fight. But man, the Dark Arts, you gotta use them. It is every (laughs) single time. 
that I walked up to a little camp of trolls and uh, of the goblins, and there's a troll in the middle. I mind controlled that troll and just sat back and laughed for a minute because the troll oh, is so just funny. smashing all yeah. these little tiny goblins, and I was dying. Oh yeah. I gotta give them kudos, man, because I thought the combat was going to be a secondary point in this game, and they wound up absolutely nailing it. I, I mean, they really did a phenomenal job on the combat in this game. And here's the beauty of it. I love difficult combat, but I get it. My, my, you know, th- there are a lot of people out there where they don't want to struggle with combat. You know, hey, yeah, it's nice. I, but I don't want to put it, to- it on normal setting. Combat is not hard, it, right. you, but you still get to feel like a wizard that's battling goblins and, and other creatures and dark wizards and stuff like that, too. So they really hit that one out of the park. I also have to mention one last thing about combat before moving on. I don't know about you guys. My character was equal parts ninja and wizard because this <laughs> game also gives you stealth. Yeah. And you can oh, run yeah. around. Yeah. And if you run, you can cast disillusionment or you can drink a potion to make you invisible. And then you can run up behind enemies. And instead of choking them out like you might in another game, you can cast Petrificus Totalis and you petrify them. And that is also hilarious because characters around them might hear or figure something out and now they're hunting for you. Also, I've talked about before how much I love blasting enemies off of high surfaces. Yes. You don't get to do it often, but there are a couple missions when you are able to push an enemy off ledges and they will die. And I find that always satisfying. The the really, I got to give them kudos since you brought up the stealth, Paul. Dude. How many games know that you're in stealth? And so you're creeping around, you're you're partially invisible because you've cast disillusionment. And then when you cast a spell, your dude whispers it. Yeah. He whispers yeah. Oh, it. He, yep. I, I, the first time that happened, I was like, what? Yep. Like that's <laughs> such a cool touch, man. And the yeah, really that's, so you're you casting could- these spells and he's going. Instead of like Petrificus Totalis, it's like Petrificus Totalis. And then the dude stiffens so up great. like a board, falls over <laughs> like he's completely ra- like, dude, you- it's the little touches, man, that they really nailed. You almost heard the gong sound every time you cast that Petrificus Totalis. It was like, dong, because they look like Wile E. Coyote when he runs into the pole. Um, No, but then also, like, there was more stealth mechanics that made it even better. I hate stealth in games. I don't like stealth games. I just typically don't do it. I've been playing, you know, I played a little bit of uh, Plague Tale Requiem because the whole game is that way, and it's, it's based on it, and I wanted to see the story, but I don't like stealth. I loved the stealth in this game, partly because you could still do things. Like, you could cast your, like... Your what your your regular right click fire your what would you the, the regular wand fire against a wall mm-hmm. and the bad guy would go investigate that so you could sneak up behind him like things like that that make it more fun to be in stealth just again the combat they just got it right I don't understand why they didn't show more of the combat because we were worried about it right and it turned out to be worry about nothing because they just didn't show us the full content of the combat it wasn't even a worry about nothing it was a highlight. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the, fan, the combat in this was fantastic. I, another huge important part of the game, on top of the combat and the open world and all this, at least to me, is your relationships with the other students. All right. Now, sometimes you would just be given a short quest from another student. Hey, I want to brew this potion. Will you go steal this uh, this piece that I need? Or, hey, I need something that's down in a basement in Hogsmeade. Will you go break in and get it? Or I've lost my game pieces around Hogwarts. Can you go hunt them down and bring them back to me? And those end rather quickly. 
But you do have a couple of core friends, kind of like your Ron and Hermione of the Harry Potter movies. And here you've got Sebastian, Poppy, and Natty. And you run missions for them over the course of the entire game. And as much as I enjoyed the main story, which honestly we didn't even mention in the opening parts, there's a a goblin rebellion being run by this dude named Ranrock. He looks incredibly evil. He's got red eyes. And he's like the big bad that you're hunting down. And uh, he's also maybe also hunting you. But I found that while that story was interesting, the real emotions of the game came out through the relationship quest lines with the other students. I actually found those to be the biggest payoff at the end of the game is seeing where those quest lines went. And I thought that was also handled with a lot of care. I completely agree. When we go into spoiler time, like I've got it in bold so I can try to get this in before Josh has a chance to speak. I have to talk about Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's I like, love get the in character there. Sebastian. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Boy. Yeah. He's my um, boy. But I think that I think that it's it, what I really liked about this game was unlike a lot of other open world games, is that the side quests really kind of went hand in hand with the main quest line as well. Like a lot of the big bads that you're working towards in the side quests are named NPCs that are players in Ranrock's plan. And so you're kind of doing these things that you don't have to do to end the main story, but they enrich the main story. I really like that. I I loved the side quests, to be honest. The relationship quests I thought were fantastic. I liked the fact that they had different flavors to me. You know, like I, Sebastian was my boy. Anytime Sebastian needed me, I'm there for you, Sebastian. You know, like it didn't matter what was going on. If he was like, if he sent me an owl, I'm dropping everything, man. I'm going to help my boy. (laughs) You know, and, and it's that. That quest line, and again, we should reiterate, these go through the whole game. So you really get invested in these characters at this point. And Sebastian's whole quest line, I thought, was phenomenal. You know, And then you've got the one with Poppy. Poppy's quest line is a completely different flavor. Like that's totally what I loved different. about it, right? Is it's like, hey, I've got this serious nature thing going on with Sebastian and, and this progression of like him through the world. And I again, no spoilers right now. But then you've got this thing with Poppy where I'm like, I'm just getting to see the magic of this land. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. This, this is this is crazy. That's a completely different theme. It's a different flavor. I love it. You know, so anytime she would send me an owl, I'd be like, oh, I gotta go help Poppy because I want to see what's gonna happen next. You know, I'll be honest. What's really weird to me is I, I don't know if it's just that I focused on those two. I did not follow through with the Natty quest line at all. Oh, hers it, had an incredible payoff. It, see, yeah. I might have to go back. I'm, I might go back and do that one because I, the other two were so good. But then I just, I wanted to make sure that I beat the game, you know, in time for recording and stuff like that. So at some point, because there is a lot of content in this game, I had to just kind of say, Hey, I'm just going to focus on this. So I did miss out on the Natty quest line. The good news is you can still finish all of those after you beat the game. I do think it works best if you complete it along with the storyline, but you can still do it once the whole game's over. Yeah. All right. So I know that we're kind of quickly running out of time here. The the game does have a basic gear system. I mean, I don't know that there's much to say. You equip things like robes, neckwear, headwear, is, gloves. It's the weakest system in the game. Yeah, to be honest, like I know there. we've been saying how great a lot of things are. If we were going to say, hey, this is one thing where I felt like they ran out of time or just kind of cut corners, the gear system is it. You mean a bonus to offense or defense isn't terribly eh, in yeah, depth? I know. Along with one little trait. 
Yeah, yes. it's. I I found it to be more of a nuisance because my character often looked like the biggest <laughs> thumb. Like like uh, I don't I don't even know what to say. He's walking around at, at times looking like the Mad Hatter, and at other times he looked like from Eyes Wide Shut, walking around with a white mask and red robes. Like I was like, what is going on here? They do let you do some transmog stuff, so at least you don't have to look that way. But I just let my character roll. Whatever he's wearing, that's what I'm going to look like. And he looked like a psychopath at times. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I did uh, I did a big Gravenclaw collection, like collection oh, yeah this was a long this is probably like five hours of my because i didn't do any i didn't do any youtube guides at all that's why like i'm 59 hours in. they say oh you can do everything 100 in like 53 hours i'm like yeah if you watch youtube videos like you can't <laughs> do this in 59 hours you can't do it in 70 hours but i had this robe i was real proud of and every time man i'm trying like i have never been so proud of ravenclaw and i didn't know what that was before i started this game all right and then i think the last major mechanic that we haven't really covered yet is the room of requirement um, without going into all the details, basically the game tells you you need a space where you can catch up on assignments and things of that nature. And the Room of Requirement is in the original story stuff that you probably know about. So in the Room of Requirement, you can grow herbs, brew potions, you can add magic traits into your gear. And probably most importantly, you get your vivarium where you can go capture beasts in the open world, bring them back, put them in your vivarium. That way... You can breed them in your own puppy mill of sorts, I guess. Uh, some people took issue with this. We're pulling them out of nature, and now we're literally breeding them we're and selling them. We're poachers, though. They were going to be killed. <laughs> yeah, but what'd you do with your excess ones, Michael? You sold them off, right? No, but they, I sold them to a rescue shelter that would find them better homes, in my mind. Um, sure. I whatever whatever wait, makes you feel better. You guys had a vivarium? Yeah. Well, you get that, and you get the extra swamp thing oh, that they had later. I didn't have any of that stuff. I had a TARDIS that kept my my animals oh, inside yeah. of it. Yeah, that's what I had because it was enormous on the inside. You walk through this little door, you're like, oh, "I'm in a TARDIS." Sorry, I know what the vivarium is. I had three of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, you. It, basically, you can put your beasts in there, and then you have to feed them and groom them, and then every thirty minutes, I think it was, they would give you a magical element to put magic into your gear the so only the thing i will offense, say yeah those those huge bonuses yeah. <laughs> huge bonuses the one thing i did love in there is you could add a toy box and just throw out a giant leather ball and everyone in your vivarium runs around basically playing soccer and it really was the cutest thing i've ever seen in a video game yeah. i had one i had one vivarium that was i couldn't help it it was nothing but the little triple things i i call them hufflepuffs but i know they're not hufflepuffs what are they called the little the things balls, with the big eyes? No, no, little tiny balls of fur. They literally, it's a tribble. It's a little tiny oh, ball of it's fur. It's the first thing you get. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't remember. I put, Scott, it starts with an S, I think. I, I don't put, remember. I the put the little, the little ball out there. I've got what? You get like 12 spots. I got 12 little furry chia pets <laughs> running around chasing this ball. I was dying. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I love it. All right. I think this is time where we're now going to open up for spoilers. So if you want to avoid all spoilers, go ahead and jump forward seven minutes and 36 seconds. All right. Uh, do you guys want me to go first or do one of you want My, to go first? Michael what do you guys is want raising to talk about? his hand. So let's let Michael go first. Go ahead, Michael. Okay. So one of my favorite things in any narrative is when you have a villain who thinks he's the hero. And <laughs> I already can tell you that Josh and I have a completely different outlook on Sebastian. 
Because yeah. Sebastian's story, right? His sister Anne was cursed long back in the day. He's trying to remove the curse. Uh, and to do that, he believes he has to gain an understanding of dark magic. And yep. he learns unforgivables. And you as a character... Actually, I'll let Josh go into this part, because he probably spent more time with the curses than I did or whatever. But but the whole thing was... Uh, you really you end up like you end up doing some pretty bad stuff on accident or on purpose. And the thing about Sebastian is, at what point do you say this has gone too far? And as a character, for me, at that point was before I learned the death curse. I learned the two curses before that. I didn't oh, learn about a cadaver because on I, you. I couldn't get myself to do it as a lawful good character. I was like, okay, I've already learned these oh, curses. But you have no problem casting Crucio on people, Michael? Well, right, but I didn't feel good about it. I'm like, I don't know if this is right. So when <laughs> I learned Crucio that's between me and you, I felt great right. every time. Well, well and I, I did actually do a lot. That's why I have. That's why I have three different saves going because one of them I learned that stuff. One of them I didn't. Um, but I didn't. Michael prefers a nice slow death that he can yeah. enjoy. Yes, yeah. you know, Instant. let me see the pain. No, that's bad. Um, <laughs> anyway, so when you first go into Sebastian's storyline, though, he's got this friend, his best friend is named Ominous, and you think Ominous is this total jerk. Like, he's trying to keep his friend from doing anything, everything's got to be secret, when really, by the end of this quest, I feel like Ominous was more of a hero than Sebastian was, because he's trying to keep his friend from getting himself killed, or getting other people killed. I just thought that whole storyline with Sebastian, it really gave you a the biggest choice in the game, even aside from the end of the game, you get a choice at the end of the game. The choice in this one really is, do you want to back up Sebastian, or do you want to kind of say, hey, buddy, like, you're not doing the right thing. Because Sebastian, to me, is a villain who's doing things because he's trying to do good, but as he does good, he is doing very, very bad. I don't know what you guys think about that one, but that's the one thing I had to say about that, because I love a villain that thinks they're doing the right thing. Like Nero from Star Trek 2009, probably not the best example in the world, but he thinks he's doing a good thing, but he's not. He's doing a very bad thing. Well, I mean, he killed his uncle. He's yeah. Sebastian goes a little too far. Uh, but his uncle attacked him, didn't he? He's trying to save his sister, guys. Let me be the right. voice of reason for Sebastian and what he went through, guys. Okay, because mm-hmm. uh, I supported Sebastian the entire game. All right, it's just a, just a brother trying to save his sister. Um, <laughs> you I don't want curses. I don't want to get too bogged down in the spoiler stuff because literally we could talk about this game for hours and hours and hours. The one spoiler that I have to bring up because I played this game as an evil character and I mentioned it at the very beginning of the show. Spoiler: You get a quest for your house elf that is taking care of the room of requirement. His name is Deke, and yep. Deke says, "Hey," and his cute little house elf voice, elf voice says. I've got my buddy Tobbs that I've been with forever, oh, and his Tobbs. master's a jerk. Can you please go check on Tobbs for me? He's His master sent him to get spider silk, and I'm worried. And I went, sure, I'll do that. <laughs> and then you find out that Tobbs died by himself in this spider den in a horrible death. And I was very sad. Legitimately. I was wrecked. I was the way sad. It's worded, was so sad. Too. This, like- this quest got me. And then when I got back... You have to tell Deke what happened. And so I'm like, Deke, Tobbs is dead. And then Deke goes, oh, no, I'm really sad. And then it gives me a dialogue option to say sympathize with Deke or tell Deke to get over it. And I was like, guys, I'm playing an evil wizard. I can't do it. And then I went, I have to do it. And I pulled, I made myself click the button that said, Deke, get over it. 
You know, and I felt the worst I have ever felt in a video game, guys. Oh, my goodness. I could imagine. Oh, I'm never doing it again. I'm calling it right now. I do not like being evil in video games, man. And while it was funny at times, I feel, I still feel terrible. I'm sorry, Deke. I think that it's it, the way it's described, too, because uh, Tobbs writes a letter, and that's what you find to next to him. And On the his way dead it's, body. The, yeah, the, oh, that's right. Yeah. But the way it's written is like... The big spider was too much for Tobbs. Tobbs can't breathe very well right now. And it's like, oh my goodness. It is mortifying. So the the last thing that I want to say in the spoiler territory is um this game did something with like like I hate button mashing. Like literally when you're supposed to like uh the end of what was it, a way out. Like when you're crawling towards the gun, whoever button yeah, yeah, mashes yeah. fast enough. This game did button mashing so perfect because you remember at the end of Harry Potter, the the movies, right? Harry Potter, when Voldemort and Harry have like their wands clashing with each other, you know, and the two colors are coming together. That happens at the end of one of the boss fights in this. And I'm like, that's exactly what I felt like Harry was doing. If he had a controller in his hand was just smashing the X button as fast as he can to beat Voldemort. So when I'm doing that, I'm like, "Ah, I gotta beat this bad guy with my smashing this X button as fast as I can. And I'm like, Holy cow, there was actually a click the button as fast as you can thing in a game that actually made sense with the narrative. Yeah, it's rare to enjoy those quick time events like that. I'm surprised you guys didn't bring up my favorite quest of the entire game. When you drink the polyjuice potion and become Headmaster Black. Oh, yes. Who is Simon Pegg, by the way. Yes, and I legitimately laughed out loud multiple times as you are walking around pretending to be uh, Headmaster Black, who's very prickly and loves just insulting everybody. And so you're just walking around basically roasting (laughs) students like, oh, student, you call those boots polished? And just one of the students are like, I'm so sorry. And they're they're all making comments to you. You call that a shine on those boots? Do better. And you're just walking around. And then you walk into the Great Hall, and you order to change all the banners to whatever house you are. So for me, it was Ravenclaw. He goes, change all the banners to Ravenclaw. I shall be taking no questions about this at this time or ever. And then he just walks (laughs) off. And I'm like, oh, man, this is hilarious. Attention, students. I hereby decree that the Great Hall be forthwith decorated in the elegant banners of Ravenclaw. I shall be taking no questions at this time, or ever. To me, that was so great. The mustache paste, the boil cream, like all oh, the yeah. stuff that came out of that was truly funny. And that feels like ages ago. It's because the, yeah. the, the game, the game, a lot happens in this game, and it just—I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. The, it feels the like quests, so the quests, and the story in this game are really top-notch, man. Like not all of them hit, obviously, but just overall, I never felt like I didn't care about what was happening. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Okay, so we are done with the spoiler section. So, guys, overall, let's just kind of summarize our thoughts here. Overall, what worked and what didn't? Um, open world, fantastic. We're just going to go okay. take turns and say things. Or oh, we- oh <laughs> combat, <laughs> was, combat was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I thought the sense of wonder and experiencing Hogwarts as a simulator, it really nailed all that. You feel like you're living the world of a Hogwarts student, and that's exactly what I was hoping for exploration was great um uh, for me the only thing there's two things that didn't work for me the gear system 
I was really disappointed in that. I'm not sure. going to lie. It's, it's, it's mostly cosmetic. It was just a burden after a while, dude, because my inventory would get full. They relied on the gear system for all rewards. So like, if I solved a puzzle or found some really off the beaten path thing or went into a dungeon and beat that and everything else, like you know, it was just like, oh, I got another house cloak. You know, and so I got to destroy another cloak yeah, to make room for it. And so oh, it, it almost became yep. a burden for me at some point where gear in a game should be a lot of fun to acquire. This was almost like, oh man, not another thing I have to destroy or go sell. Um, the only other thing that I'll say that didn't work for me was that even though the game gave you dialogue choices, your choices do not matter in this game. Not until the very end of the relationship friend quest. Right. Right. Especially in regards to the main story, it does not matter anything you say. None of it matters. Right. One iota. It's just flavor dialogue. Yeah. It gives you this, the illusion of choice, but you don't really have The it. main story does have a good and bad ending, though. Yeah, I mean, sure, yeah. but I- I'm saying the game gives you a ton of choices right, right. to make, but none yeah. of those choices actually matter. I mean, I'm sense. literally casting the killing curse on people and none of the professors no are cares. saying anything. I'm fully decked out in dark arts clothing. None of the professors <laughs> yeah. are saying anything. For a game that did such a good job at that, it felt like this glaring blind spot to me. I really thought, because I started using um, Crucio, right? A lot, because it was a lot of fun. Let's just be honest. That was so much fun to cast. <laughs> the sound it made, the, you know, like this roar of like power. Uh, wow, that just sounded really bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really thought that at the end, like Fig was going to be like, hey, people are saying you're using these powers. And it just never happened. That's what would take this game into upper echelon. Yeah. Is if they built in a Witcher or Mass Effect kind of morality system that incorporated it more, I think it would have taken it up a notch. Uh, I totally agree with, with those critiques. Also, the day night cycle didn't work for me. Like having to go around and collect the demi guises at night yeah. seemed like more of a nuisance. Yeah. The only time I would ever switch to night is when my character would say, Oh, demi guys, I've got you now. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd be like, All right, I guess I got to go to night. So that part I didn't care about, and lock picking, it really got old fast. <laughs> yeah, the the I love I love when games give you a little mini game for something, but this one missed the mark after two times of telling it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, the first cool. two the first times was challenging, yeah. and yeah, then, I was and then like, I'm like, oh. uh, okay, now I'm just getting through this as fast as I can. Uh, one last thing about choices also not really mattering. Your choice of house barely matters. It switches one mission for how you meet Jackdaw, and it does change the cosmetics of your room because of where you're staying. I do wish there was a little more built into that, maybe where you get completely different quests, like not just one, but several. That way you feel like your house matters a little bit more. Um, but honestly, the fact that we're complaining about those things kind of tells right. you overall yeah. the game works pretty well. We're not complaining, just let me play the game, like Forspoken. I, I mean, just let me play! That's all I want to do. I think that House Pack would be an excellent DLC, which they're not going to do, but that would be a great idea. Like, add that in as a DLC. Like, okay, we got house missions now. I can't believe we're not getting any DLC for this game. It is so yeah, ripe you to get wait. more in this oh, world. I bet you were getting DLC. They say, but I, dude, money talks, man. We're getting DLC for Hogwarts. <laughs> that or Hogwarts Legacy 2, yeah. one, or, one or the other. <laughs> all right. So. Time to bring back our newest segment. We've only done this once before. Time for some hot takes. Ready or not, that's hot. Yes. 
Michael, you want to hit us with your hot take first? Yeah, now I don't think it's really a hot take. Like, I thought it was a hot take until we talked about it for 20 minutes earlier in the episode. But this, in regards to design, and I'll give more details on it, is perhaps the most robust open world I have ever seen. And let me explain why I'm saying, like, in the design piece of it specifically, you can go into any building in this game. Any building anywhere, you can go inside of it. That alone is rare. But when you go inside these buildings, there is not a single one that is a cookie cutter from another one. You go inside of every single house in every single hamlet, and it's got different pictures on the wall, different shoes, different coat hangers, um, different people doing different things. None of it's the same. I have never seen a game put that much effort into making sure that you can go anywhere in a game and make it not like Skyrim, where you see one dungeon, you've seen every single one of them. And so I think that as far as I think this is the most well-designed open world I have ever seen. My hot take's pretty close to yours, Michael, so I'll go next. I wrote down Hogwarts Legacy is the most fun RPG to come out since Dragon Age Inquisition. I I think Dragon Age Inquisition is a far better game. All right, It's longer, it's more complex, the combat's better, the morality system is far better. But this game feels like... Dragon Age Inquisition Jr. It's got the same DNA at its core. You're even running around clearing astronomy, constellation things. All that is exactly in Dragon Age Inquisition. It's just a little easier, and it's a lot shorter. I found it to be utterly delightful. This is just a stripped-back, completely fun, maxed-out-to-the-absolute-far-as-you-can-go the kind of RPG. Absolutely love it. What about you, Josh? Oh man, my hot take's gonna seem really weird now. Um Uh-oh. so my hot take is that the world in Hogwarts Legacy is one of the most beautiful, finely crafted worlds that I have seen in a video game, guys. <laughs> we didn't yeah, we did totally not guess. know that each other had picked this. And this is my hot take, because I felt like this was pretty bold to say, especially for a guy that loves RPGs. But Michael touched on it nothing is reused dude dude this game has dungeons i don't even know how many dungeons it's got right you know how many dungeons were the same zero none of them were they the same. were all so unique dude like everything was like that there was no reusing assets there like it was every house was different every dungeon was different everything was handcrafted and i'll tell you what guys because i got to tell this story real quick but i'll be fast in the sequence <laughs> where you get your hippogriff, that's not a spoiler because they show it in the previews, you get a hippogriff and there's this whole quest in the sequence. Dude, I spent so much time just flying around because it plays this really nice music. It was one of the coolest, most magical moments, dude. I flew up over Hogwarts and sat there hovering and literally watched the sunset over Hogwarts. <laughs> I have never done that in a video game. Because yeah. who does that? Guess what? I did. Because this game demanded it. It was like I had to like experience that. And like that just tells you that there's a magic here that is hard to describe. You have to experience it to really get it. But it's funny that all three of us had almost the exact same hot take. It should tell you a lot about what's going on. Yeah, I forgot that hippogriff. Like that, I felt triumphant. And the music did not hurt. <laughs> like yeah. it was no. very well done. The music in the whole game is really well done, where it's not the original Harry Potter themes, but it plays off it. It's very reminiscent of the original score. And, and I think that also leads to a lot of 
credibility in the world and how it feels. It's automatically baked in because of the music. All right. Well, we've shared some of our thoughts. Josh, you've got a couple community reviews to read. I do. We always pull some community reviews just so, you know, people that are listening aren't swayed by just our thoughts on a game. I always, you know, we like to let people know, hey, here's some of the negative things people have said about it. Here's some of the positive things people have said about it. They should just go go by us. That's all you need. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, but you know, (laughs) but we like to give a, a broader perspective here. So, okay. So this first one is not recommended. This is 64 hours on record. And it says, first of all, I really like the game up until the end. Finish the campaign and most of the other stuff. 97% completion. The soundtrack and feeling you get is very nice. The artwork is amazing. I have stuttering issues, but it was playable. It might be my PC. It's a little bit older. The thing that actually made me sad is the feeling that none of my decisions mattered. Whatever I said, whenever I pushed for the dark side, in the end, I'm the hero. Neither the ending nor anything else apart from maybe learning the three unforgivables feels like it's up to your choice. Being rude to NPCs, extorting them, betraying quest givers, nothing happens. Apart from maybe a different voice line, but then everything is just back to normal. I literally chose to take the powers. I used all the unforgivable curses. Nobody cared. I was still the hero. Yay? To be fair... The same thing happens in Harry Potter. Harry's running around using unforgivable curses and nobody really cares. So that is somewhat baked into the IP of Harry Potter, but I totally agree. I I completely understand those criticisms. To me, it didn't pull down the whole game, but it really would have been nice if it it was was one of the few glaring issues yes you know i I felt like so okay and this next one is recommended 110 hours on record finally something that isn't a half-baked live service microtransaction infested disaster at launch they you're right you're right how refreshing was it to play hogwarts legacy guys did you guys get any bugs the only bug i got was that my house cape sometimes would flutter forward a little bit or something weird where it would clip through my character's legs that's it this game's the, done. Yeah, the only thing that I had was uh, twice, two times only. I noticed that like a dragonfly or a bee, a group of dragonflies or bees were just like floating and they weren't flapping wings. They were just kind of stuck in the environment for a second. That was it. You know how small of a bug that is? Yeah. Yeah, it ran rather well. It did. Yep. Um, okay, and we played so- on different platforms too. I was on PS5. You guys were on PC. We both had the same experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, this next one is not recommended. 24 hours on record. This is just some stupid fan service game with uh, half-baked RPG features. It's nothing compared to The Witcher 3, Zelda Breath of the Wild, Skyrim, or Elden Ring. If you're looking for an RPG, this ain't it. If you want a movie <laughs> where you control a witch with, a great, with great graphics, then this is it. It's boring with mundane, repetitive combat, and the map is small compared to the likes of other more ambitious role-playing games. This game is overhyped by Harry Potter fanboys who don't know a good game if it bit them in the butt. What, did, what game do they think they were buying? I, I yeah. don't know. They don't claim to be The Witcher 3. No one said this game's The Witcher 3. Right? I don't know who goes into it thinking that this is going to be, you know, that. <laughs> I, I But, yeah. you know, hey, this guy was disappointed that the uh, the point of this one, I think, is that there are RPG elements, but this is not what I would dictate as a hardcore RPG. The gear right. system no, doesn't matter. Game. Yeah, exactly. But I think maybe somebody thought this is Harry Potter RPG. I don't know. All right, and then this last one is recommended 128 hours on record. 
This I'm is easily there. one of the best games <laughs> I have played in years. The attention to detail is immaculate and the sense of fun and progression is well-tuned. The other thing is that not one of my many quests glitched, which is something familiar with this kind of game. Forget any controversy about the game. If you're enjoying, if you enjoy gaming and you want fantasy and a good storyline, then do yourself a favor and play this game. Agreed. Uh, slash agree. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so that is what some of the reviews were, as we always do. We now play a little game where we try to guess the overall rating for Hogwarts Legacy. This is based on Steam reviews on the scale of 0 to 100. Paul, I think you're like the three-time champion right did, now, aren't you? Did I did I win this three times in did. a row? I think you did. Was that me? You're going first, yeah. and you ain't winning this time, buddy. I'm on, I'm on a streak. <laughs> All right. So I think politics aside controversy aside this game i think would be in the high 90s i have no doubt that there's some review bombing bringing it down a bit but you're talking over 10 million sales in the first week i think it's gonna be very positive i'm gonna say 93 percent what about you michael i am much higher i don't think that there's enough people compared to the like i don't I don't think that I think with how many people bought this game and played it and loved it that it's going to there's not enough review bombing that would really be capable of bringing it down too low. I think I want to say 97. I know it's real high. (sighs) My guess was 94 percent. And then when I looked up the actual rating, I got really happy because I was like, I'm finally going to beat Paul because it's dead on. I freaking didn't do it because Paul guessed it exactly. It's 93 percent. Paul, man. I don't. Are we allowed to just say ooh, Paul can't ooh. play anymore, Michael? Is that a is that is that a thing? Oh, he, mercy rule. Mercy yeah. rule. If I win ten in a row, yeah. I can't play. Well, anymore. wait, I'm playing because he's too good. He's too <laughs> Whatever, good. It's Paul. Not, and you know what? No, no, because they, my friends never told me that I wasn't allowed to play GoldenEye anymore. So no, he can continue to play. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, uh, Paul. Not, we'll take not a, to get. Not to get sidetracked, but I love that Michael revealed playing rockets I, I was on license troll. to kill. I was going to troll Michael. No, all I his didn't. crazy modes and golden eyes. We played. We played pistols, license to kill. That's what we played. That's what we played. And sometimes mm-hmm. slappers only because it was hilarious. Slappers only was great. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and move into our next segment. But man, I just I keep getting to lead these every time. Let's go ahead and hit that music. Hey there, Professor Garlic. I wish I were cross-eyed so I could see you twice. I think you've used that one before, Paul. <laughs> Did see, I use that one? You need to let Guys, somebody I... else win sometimes because I, w- I had a great one for Are Professor sure? Garlic. But Are you sure I've not... said that? Oh, I'm sure you have. I think it was like right. three episodes ago. But Look, I met my wife when I was 16. At least you picked my favorite professor, Paul. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> What 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 was well, your uh, line going to be, Josh? Oh, I'm not going to say now because it's. Oh, you're going to save it? Well, I just don't know if it's appropriate for. <laughs> was Professor Garlic the herbology professor? Yeah, yeah, the sure one that was. looked about 18 years old. Right I, when Josh Josh might have made a comment about her early, and I was like, "She's a got some Leonardo DiCaprio going on." <laughs> okay, is she? Is right. she? Wait, wait, hold on. Are we going to have a Hogwarts professor as a smoke show 2023 nominee? <laughs> uh, from Josh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> He's shaking his head. Yes. What? Nobody He's, can see anything. He's a fan. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this segment is called "Make Love, Marry, or Murder." All three of us give this game our individual rating. Is this game marriage material? Is it make love? Hit it and quit it. Or is it murder material where you should not pick it up and we do not recommend playing it? I think this one's going to be a triple Mary. I'm just guessing. It's absolutely a Mary for me. I think everyone should go out and play this game. 
I think it's got its flaws, but I think the things that it hits on well are incredibly well done. I feel like this game has all the charm of Breath of the Wild, but it has more challenging combat with a more interesting story. I feel like it's kind of that halfway point between a Zelda game and maybe something like a Dragon Age or a Mass Effect. It's kind of like the midway between both. This game did something that I didn't think was possible. I made am, you feel things? I am, <laughs> it, made me, it made me feel. I am currently watching the Harry Potter movies again. Oh, I'm, nice. I'm, I am like, this game took something that I, I appreciated it because I love fantasy. Like, I love stuff like that. I love, you know, wizards and witches and dragons and stuff like that. I just thought, you know, it's, it's kids stuff, you know? And by doing all these stupid field guide pages and learning about this world, I'm like, this is a really deep and robust universe that I want to learn more about. I kind of want to read the books now. I'm not even kidding. Like, and for a video game to do that, to make me really care about a villain that fails at taking over a high school, like take that emperor Palpatine. Um, like the whole thing is like, that's incredible that this game did that. The lore is so fresh. It's, it's so rich and I had an absolute blast with it. And I get that it doesn't have that RPG element that, would have made this game like if it had that RPG element and your choices mattered, you'd have a hard time getting me down from top two or three with this game. If that was in there, yeah. you'd have a hard time. I would die on that hill. But I would say that that this is a very high Mary because this game is so rich. I I never did not want to play this game. At every moment, I was like, I can't wait to get done with what I'm doing with real life because I want to play this game right now, and I love that. What about you, Josh? Easy, easy, Mary, for me. Uh, I'll be honest. This is one of the best games that I've played in a while. Um, yeah. it, it caught me off guard. The beginning of the game really sucked me in. It never let up after that. And I was I was legitimately surprised. I mean, we, we talked about Hogwarts might flop, man. This game might not be that great. Mm-hmm. And then it wound up being way better than I ever thought it would be, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's it's just... It's very, it has very few flaws and everything it does, it does really, really well, in my opinion, with a couple just stupid things that really don't matter, like the gear system, you know? Um, so for me, it caught, it was a absolute banger of a game, a huge, pleasant surprise. I want to go back and play it. And and that's like, I yeah. don't say this often, but like, this is one of those games where I actually told like my wife, like, I wish we didn't have to cover so many games for the podcast because this is a game that I would literally just spend the next month or two exploring and playing and having fun. And just, I don't need another game. I don't need to buy another game because I'm happy playing this one. And, and for most people that know like how much I bounce around games, that is saying an awful lot. Um, it's one of the biggest compliments I can give a game when it can hold my attention for that long. So easy, Mary, from me as well. You want to real quick? I just I'll just add on to that something that if you do, I did the math today, and I'm like, this is disgusting math. I played this game for ten days. I have fifty nine hours. That is five point <laughs> nine hours a day. I played this game. Full time job. <laughs> I legitimately like I'm I'm half embarrassed by I st- so many nights I was up way too late and I was dragging at work the next day because of a video game. I don't think I've done that since EverQuest. Wow. I was shocked when you said, guys, I think I'm going to try to 100% this game before we record. And I was like, there's no way that's yeah. happening. <laughs> I'm close. <laughs> I'm real close. Yeah. You're, you're one step away from the finish line. I that's can't so find funny. one set of balloons. 
I'm so frustrated, and I, I didn't start breeding the animals early enough, so I have to go in and save, because mm. you have to breed all 12. Got the cooldown timer on yep. breeding. I yeah. didn't, because I didn't see that one. <laughs> all right, well, we have just one segment left. Let's go to the leaderboard and see where this game stacks up. Okay, so if anyone's new to the show, we have an overall leaderboard, which you can go see at our website, which is MultiplayerPodcast.com. Every game we've done a deep dive, we decide to rank against every other game that we've ever covered. So if you want to see like what games we recommend or what we think, we stack them all up against each other. Yes, we are trying to compare apples to oranges. That is part of the fun. We do bake some things into our decision, like price, your bang for your buck, how important it is to play the game, things of that nature. So to give you a couple of markers here on our leaderboard, we've got some stuff like Disco Elysium at number five, Apex Legends at number eight, Elden Ring at 14, uh, Hollow Knight at 27, Rainbow Six Siege at 36, so on and so forth. All the way down at the bottom, we've got some things like uh, The Forest, Halo Reach, Hood Outlaws and Legends, Overcooked 2, Josh's personal favorite game of all time. (laughs) and uh now we gotta decide where to put hogwarts legacy so being a triple mary we know it's gonna be kind of near the top do you guys see it cracking the top 15 or top 10 or are we looking lower than that i I have a number in mind that is the perfect spot in my opinion do we just let him say it well, yeah. you, you started what, what talking, you so Michael. Oh so I wanted to no, hear what you no. <laughs> well, actually, it might it, it might be better if I do say this first because I have a really hard time with this one for one reason. Number seven on the leaderboard is Rust, right? Eight Apex Legends, nine Rocket League, ten Valheim, eleven Satisfactory, twelve Outriders, Divinity Original Sin two. I have not played any of those games. <laughs> wow, you are Tough really missing out, Michael. Those I games know. are great. <laughs> I I know, but that's the hard part is because in my head I'm like, this game has to be top ten. But I can't argue against any other reason why. You know what I mean? So that's why it's like, it almost feels better that I said that before you said your number. What's your number? My number is 15 on the dot. I think, it, I think this game belongs one behind Elden Ring, in my opinion. Gross. So you got it below Satisfactory Outriders, <laughs> DOS 2, and Elden Ring, but above Hearthstone, Call of Duty Warzone, Grand Theft Auto Online, and Halo Infinite. Yeah. I mean, for me. That's... I think that's exactly where I was going to suggest putting it other. Well, I was thinking more 13. I would, I would actually have it jump Elden Ring and Divinity Original Sin 2. I would still keep it below Outriders. I love DOS 2 so much. And I love Elden Ring so much. It is, but that is how much this is saying because Hogwarts Legacy is really close to both of those games in my mind. It's just slightly below it is the, is the issue for me. Then I think it's going to split and it's going to be at 14 because, uh, Josh, you said 15. Paul, you said 13. I would rather play this 100 times out of 100 over Elden Ring. And so I think it's going to be at 14 because it's right in between yours. And I'm happy. Yeah, that's fine. See, this is where it's hard to rank games because if if you want really complex combat, DOS 2 is 100% for you. If you want a 30-minute fight to make eight actions... (laughs) <laughs> like that's what the game provides and it does it so incredibly well. But to me that can sometimes feel a little bit like work. Hogwarts Legacy is a far more casual game than DOS 2 or Elden Ring. So we're not necessarily saying that it's like technically better, but maybe it's what we prefer. So okay, so we'll split the difference. We'll put it in at 14, keeping it below Divinity Original Sin 2 but above Elden Ring. 
That's high, high praise. That's very high praise. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to say you put it above Elden Ring. but I think it deserves it. But here's the counterpoint to that. I put it below Elden Ring. But if you go on the internet right now, there is already talk about how this game is better than last year's Elden Ring or whenever. I think it was last year for Elden Ring, right? Yeah. That yeah was, I was got my ears yeah. right. Yeah. Hey, and so this hey, debate exactly is already ago. being waged online on the internet right now about which game is better. And so that tells you that these two are very like close together in the quality of game that they are. Now they're two vastly different games. Obviously we get that. Um, but phew, what a surprise. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll lock that in on the leaderboard. And any closing thoughts, anything we left out that we want to say on the deep dive? I think we did a pretty good job. This episode wasn't two hours. Personally, you, yeah. (laughs) So much to cover. Open world games. Paul said this is going to be an hour and a half episode. I went, no way. We can keep it to like an hour and five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And here we are, 122 minutes in. And yeah. (laughs) An hour ago, an hour ago, Josh sent a message that says, pacing is fantastic so far. Yeah, that's until we got to like some of the stories the heavy, and quests yeah. and combat and all that yep, other stuff. So yep. it's just so much to tackle. All right. Well, I think that wraps everything up for this deep dive. We do want to say thank you to everyone for listening to this episode. We want to say thank you to all our Patreon supporters. As a reminder, go check out our Patreon page at multiplayersquad.com. Also, come hit us up on socials. You can find us everywhere at multiplayer pod. And in case you're new to the show, we always release episodes on Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And these kinds of deep dives we do every other Monday. So two weeks from today, our next deep dive will be Atomic Heart, which we have all uh, been playing here for the last couple days. We'll have a lot of thoughts on that one. So make sure to check that one out in two weeks. And we hope in the meantime that you'll come back on Thursday when we break down recent gaming news and until next time, happy gaming. Oh, what a good <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs>